is up family hello man we are back after a two week hiatus hiatus uh we would we would have recorded but josiah just had to be selfish and go get married i'll just on a who, sunday who would just be so, like yeah i'm gonna get married actually guys i have a wedding uh I'm married big, big deal girl my dreams <laughs> out here and now we're just kidding we love uh, josiah yeah, it was a great time it was a great ceremony very precise Josiah was running it. Hey. <laughs> hey, we're starting at six oh three, dude. That you was ain't here. You're not dude. in it. It was I, great. I think the greatest part, well, the greatest part was literally like us being able, for me anyways, to be able to pour into mm-hmm. uh, Kate and Josiah, which was yeah. amazing um, to hear all the wisdom um, that that's in our family. Like, yeah. And when I say like in our family, like Josiah is literally like our little brother, yeah. uh, his wife now, our little sister. Uh, it's it was cool to see that. And uh, but the the thing that like really blew my mind was literally how fast that thing went. Like when I think mm-hmm. about Josiah, that dude's practical. All right, we got <laughs> ten minutes. I was so, I'm not married in ten minutes. We I was when I was say I was like proud of like how efficient efficient that mm-hmm. went. I was like he's decent gonna, and in order. He's gonna have a great marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, God was yeah. It's like all right, he's moving in that thing. We so are doing this thing. Congratulations, so. Kate and Josiah. Yes. We love you, the Freelands. We are so happy you guys are married, and we can't wait to see uh, what's gonna come about your marriage, the ministries that may come through you guys, and uh, the children if they be if in God, the works yeah, with the Lord. God, God agrees. Yeah. God says the same. Yeah, but take man. your time. Yes, take your Please. time. So, um, man, a lot has transpired. Ooh. In two weeks, man, it's crazy how much life can happen in and a short just, amount of time. I mean, that's a. Sh- I mean, you. The Bible says a life is but a vapor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is two weeks, bro? <laughs> <laughs> you are so stupid. <laughs> it's not even a whole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we done lost it, dog. Oh, man. It's been too long. I know. Anyway. So. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Gosh. But, um, so Brandon had a birthday yesterday. He's 31 I did. now. We're both 31 now. Um, officially old. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I woke up and I felt every every year <laughs> in my joints. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was like, what? In the oh, heck? is that year 13? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I'm uh, 31. I'm glad about it. Jeff, uh, you got to do a. I don't know what you'd call it. Just a, a reevaluation of yourself. Yeah, man. So uh, on last week on Sunday, right after literally right after Josiah's wedding, mm-hmm. um, me and my wife and uh, we, a total of seven of us, patient, the Greers, uh, the Jodoses, and me and my wife. So three couples and then patient, our pastor. We went up to Sacramento to uh, this thing called the Discovery Center. It is a church planting evaluation yeah, essentially yeah. by this group called excel they're a network that plants churches and supports churches and pastors and things like that they're fantastic um and so we went up there Flipside church actually um sponsored us to go mm-hmm. paid for everything they were fantastic um pastor carl's on the board of excel and the discovery center so he was actually part of the staff he's one of the evaluators oh wow um, patient was part of the evaluation staff because he's already gone through the discovery center. Mm-hmm. So it was a two day thing, and it's super intense. I Man, mean, they put said. us they put us through. We had to take three different personality tests before we got there. We went over the results. We had to preach um, a ten minute sermon, and then we had to 
our wives would come up and we had to like um, explain five adjectives about each other. And then we got the both of us got grilled basically <laughs> on on the sermon. Like, why did you say this? Why did you not say this? Like, how do you prepare? Like, you know, they asked the wives, is this a typical sermon that your husband would preach? That's a crazy um, question. I mean, yeah, man. Like they and then they just really make you evaluate yourself. Mm. I mean, the biggest thing I can say is that the whole two day process is a giant mirror. Mm. And you come away like, dang, that's me. Yeah. This is who God made me. This is why I am the way that I am based on my experiences and my upbringing, my personality type. The the beautiful thing about it too was just like you get to see that God is super creative. He's made everybody a certain way on purpose. And the church cannot function if all the different personality types don't work, work together. together. You need somebody from each different part hmm. um, to have an effective like leadership team and an effective church. Would you say that uh, would you say that this this course or this uh this reevaluation of this mirror was it uh I guess two questions. One was it difficult to do? Mm. And then was it for your betterment or does it like, or is it like discouraging? Definitely difficult. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest experiences ever. Um, I told a patient, like that was literally the most nervous I've ever been to preach. Mm. Um, even more than my first sermon in AV like wow. this. And it was only like five people <laughs> that I was preaching <laughs> for. Um, and I mean, it was super hard. What made it so difficult? Just the fact that it, it comes down to my personality type. So the second question is, yes, it's very helpful. Mm-hmm. I think everybody should really do it because um, you really learn about yourself. And then it makes your relationship with God that much better because then you can know how to approach him and how you need to be approached and like what your certain needs are and, mm-hmm. and all the different things. You know, like how you get energy basically like introvert extrovert but like way deeper than that oh wow um so it's just easier to communicate to people like hey like this is i'm like this so right now i need this Mm -hmm. it just makes it way easier to be loved and to love oh honestly um that's agony yeah (laughs) honestly like i like that it's crazy um you know what your your needs are but um yeah it's it was hard because you had pastor carl patient um and these two other uh, pastors, essentially, preachers, and they were just, I don't know. So my my insecurity, I love to impress people. <laughs> like, that is something that I, I, I struggle with not trying to do. Right. Um, I can see that. So if I respect somebody, like Pastor Carl, I'm like, I oh, need yeah. him to think that I'm a dope preacher. Yeah. Like, this is Pastor Carl is pretty much the go to preaching in my life right now. And it's amazing <laughs> because like God is crazy. So I had a whole sermon prepared like way in advance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, yeah, I, I'm I got this. It's going to be easy. We're driving up there Sunday night. <laughs> I'm in the car. And all of a sudden, I feel like God's like, you need to change it. And I was like, nah, bro. Like, this is going to be... I got... Nope, you need to change it. Nah, And he just starts downloading. And the crazy thing is, I didn't even realize I preached the same sermon on the last episode of the podcast. Oh, word. I had no idea. Like, I went back and watched it, and I was like... Said the same thing. What the heck? When did I preach? (laughs) Like, it was wild. And the whole sermon was about 
not trying to be impressive because you're not impressive. Oh, yeah. Like, you're not valuable. Your value comes from the <coughs> ultimate creature of value, which is God. Yeah, I remember that. So that was the whole gist of the sermon. It's just like, you should be free from trying to be impressive. Yeah. Like, God frees us from that. He's like, no, you're not impressive. So don't try to just be. Go ahead and give it up. If though. everybody just looks at me and I get the glory, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So that's what that was, and it was funny. Like that, it, that's why God wanted me to change it, because He knew my temptation. So He was like, "I'm gonna have you do something that's gonna make you not be impressive." Yeah. To fight against that, and then it forced me to admit it during the, the sermon. sermon. Yeah. So it made it way more just transparent and more real and more authentic. It had to be, and it was hard. Very like nerve wracking. Like just like, oh, man. Because like, you know, as a preacher, I know like when you're preaching. You can hear God telling you to say mm-hmm. certain things, and you're just like, "I'm not finna. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't even know these people. They're not finna find this out about me." Yeah. And then it's like you can't mm-hmm. buck against the Holy Spirit because I don't know. This is literally like me and my things about imagination. But I really feel like sometimes when I'm preaching, if I try to omit whatever the Holy Spirit is saying, I feel like He's like, "You can say this, or I'm out." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you either say this, you gonna I, be up I, here by yourself, or you're gonna be by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. I I don't know why I gotta tell you this. Yeah, <laughs> not sure favorite thing to say. Um, and it's cool. Also, um, the guy who's in charge of it, JD uh, Peering, um, great guy. Started heck of churches. Was a pastor for a long time. Um, in fact, the church that we were doing the Discovery Center at was it was his church, and then he passed it on to his son oh, because wow. he stepped down. He's like, I wasn't called. I was called to be a church planter, planter. not a preacher, not a pastor. Oh wow. So it takes a lot of humility to even admit My that. My gosh, yeah, dude. he's a really dope guy. And then his wife is like one of the most amazing human beings ever created. Was that the lady you told? Yeah, Lori. Lori. Oh my gosh, I love <laughs> I Lori. If you ever hear this, I love you, fam. Like <laughs> I miss her. She's such a cool lady. Um, like very like just motherly and caring. Mm-hmm. Just just exudes like you can trust her. She's a marriage family therapist, and so she was there during my sermon. And uh, she was like asking me all these questions that like forced me to like go deeper within to my own self. Mm. Um, and she was just like, I love what you're saying. Like you're doing a great job. Like I, it sounds like you're saying this. She just has this way of like, like discernment, like hearing you and like helping you realize what you actually mean. <laughs> so it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is this. And it like, some people do that, and it's like a technique. It's like a, a interview technique that right, right. they're taught. But with her, it's it comes off as very genuine. Like I'm, this is what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. Is this, this what, is what you, you mean? mean? And you're just like, wow, yeah. Like I did mean that. Like, Dude. so it was the whole process was super difficult because they were. You come away feeling like you're the worst preacher <laughs> in the world, but it's super good for you. Um, what would you say, like, uh, to someone who's who's like listening to what you're saying and has no idea that discovery center exists. Like, Mm -hmm. but they get this information, like what would be something that you would tell them? Like as like advice or like when it comes to self reflecting, uh, in your journey with like becoming a preacher or being a preacher. Mm -hmm. Well, with anything, even if you're not preaching, whatever ministry you have, um, you cannot, effectively serve people if you don't know where you are Mm. so patient made this clear he says like um this whole thing is and including like the bible and everything is a gps and we think gps is tell us where we're going 
but they actually tell us where we are first before they can tell you where you're going. So right. when you're in a GPS, you have to enter your location first yeah. before you can figure out where you're going. You can have a destination, but if I don't know where right. I'm at, I don't have the directions to get there. There's no way you can have the right. directions. There's no, it's, well, it's it, over there, but I don't It doesn't know where to go. Exactly. So you, it acts to tell you where you are first. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure out where you're at mm-hmm. before you can actually serve people. Wow. So so it's a super important process. Even if you don't go through the Discovery Center, find some type of way. There's plenty of, of personality tests online and mm-hmm. and all these things. They can be very scientific, but even then, like God's still behind all of it. I, I would do as many as possible. And the goal while you're doing it is not to get it correct. Right. It's a tool. So one of them, I think it's Strength Finders, it gives you like very short time limit on purpose for each question. Oh, wow. Because it's not trying to get you to get the right, there's no right answer. It's right. just like you're, the, the response time is actually part of your personality. Oh, what? Yeah. So you're like, someone <laughs> like me, so like I'm, impulsive. <laughs> so someone like me, I'm a, I'm a C on the disc. So I'm like super cautious, very calculated. Um, I, accuracy is super important to me. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm always correcting people all the time. Because <laughs> I can't help it. It's literally just who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to take my time before I answer a question. Like, hold on, let me, let me make sure I really, really. And then the question passes. And I'm like, oh, oh crap. Oh, dang. You don't even get a chance to answer no. it at all? After a certain time limit, it moves on. No way. But it's doing that on purpose. That it's would trying give me anxiety. To, that's what, I was like, oh, my God, I got to go faster. <laughs> so, but that's the whole point of, the, of one of the tests. So the whole wow. point is just to figure out, help you realize who you are and where you are so you can know where to go. And how to help people effectively, so you don't burn out. That's good. You know, you don't overextend yourself. You know, so that's really yeah, good. I think whatever you got to do, whatever ministry you're going into, like it's important to figure out who you are and where you are. Yeah, I think that's one of the one of the one of the uh, biggest challenges as a Christian, mm-hmm. like not even just as a preacher, but just like as a Christian, is that we don't have like uh, we don't really know who we are. Mm-hmm. Like we are. Uh, we understand like who we are in Christ, but we don't understand like who we are like in Christ. So we have this idea of like, okay, I'm in Christ. So, you know, he gives me my identity, but then it's like, you never really research what that, what, what Christ mm-hmm. has given to you. Like when you were born again, what are you born again into? Like mm. what gifts, what talents, what, what are your shortcomings? This is another thing that I find very, very interesting that many people don't even know their weaknesses. Yes. They just feel like this is what I'm good at. Okay, but what are you bad at? I don't know, but this is what I'm yeah. good at, and we just focus on that. Yeah. So dude. I find that to be. I, it could. Like, do you think that's like destructive, or do you think that's like counterintuitive, no, like not I, to know I, your weaknesses? I think that was one of the biggest takeaways from this is like they at the very end. So the whole purpose of this whole thing that we went to is at the very end of it, the staff takes all the data they got from everything, and they're watching. They're literally watching you do everything, like how you eat. The, the scary, I, I'm going to get the answer, I swear, but the, the crazy thing about it is the entire two days, you are on the whole time. Like the first day, we go through all this stuff, and okay, it's lunchtime, and then one of the staff is assigned to have lunch with you. Oh, wow. And they're like, they're just watching you, how you eat, how do you talk to your wife, like, like I mean. Near you or like? They're literally at your table, and they're talk, they're asking you questions while you're eating, and it's like semi-casual, but you can tell you're being the, evaluated. Yeah. So you can feel it. And so you never Yo. get to like, 
it, it's oh man it was we were exhausted after the first day everybody you, was just like were like, you like uh and i mean it's kind of like a, a a very kind of personal question but like did you were you performing at first and then finally like gave up on your performance or did you just try not to perform at all so going into it i was we they told us what was gonna happen sort of mm-hmm. so my whole goal we kept saying the whole trip like just be yourself just be, be yourself because <laughs> you can be tempted to try to perform but yeah. it's designed to like there's no way you can fool them. it's not possible it, there's you can't you could try to put on they're gonna see right through it wow it's they, they pray like crazy the, they, the holy spirit is all up in that place <laughs> you can't lie they're gonna know it's just i don't know how but they're gonna know we were so paranoid. We were like, they probably got cameras in the in our in our van that we rented. They're listening to <laughs> us our right van. now. Like we were just like <laughs> super it, holy. Yeah, man, it's crazy. But um, hey, take so, out your Bibles, guys. <laughs> so the whole thing you're going through this whole two day process. So at the end, they they give you a report that says either you get a red light, which says church planting is not for you. Mm-hmm. Here's another option for you for ministry, but right. you're not. You should not be a church planter. Mm-hmm. Yellow light is you should be a church planter, but you need to fix some things first before you go down that route. Mm-hmm. And then green light is you can go right now, start a church, and we're with you. You, Dude, you should do it. That's crazy. And so all of us, all of us in our group got green lights, which was really cool. Nice. But even within that, they give you like this individualized report that has like all these suggestions, your your strengths, your weaknesses, or areas of growth is what they call right. it. Um, and just it's just all this, they gave me like five different books that they recommended that I read, Yeesh. um, which is really cool. I appreciated that. Um, but there, yeah, it's just it's it's really cool because Lori was one that gave me mine. She was just like, so it's important for you to see what you are good at. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna want to look at your weaknesses. Listen, <laughs> focus on. And I had I didn't I had way more strengths than I had areas of growth, which is like really encouraging. Yeah. Okay, cool, thanks. I could definitely see you going straight to the because absolutely you're like, you're like hold on, where's the I, problem? Where, am I trash where do I at? fix it? Yeah, look. yeah. And so, and even the areas of growth were just like the thing you got to remember is some things like you are just it's not you. You're not good at it. You're never gonna be able to oh, do this. Yeah, and that's why God made the church interdependent. Right. You should, should not be able to do everything. everything. Yeah. So you, it requires you to find people who are good at what you're not good at. Yeah. And it's it requires and vulnerability and humility. Like, yo, I need you. Dude. You're good at this. The church was never meant to be like run or done by like one person who just has it all. Yeah. That's Jesus. He's the head. That's it. He's got it all. The rest <laughs> of us, we got to do our function. Yeah. And so it was a big lesson in like interdependency. Mm-hmm. We need to get as many people who are different as possible working in the church, working together and, and making sure that they understand you're vital to this. Right. We need you and you need us. Mm-hmm. So. so I think that's something that we, uh, as far as like moving into uh, church planting as mm-hmm. a, many of you guys know, like AV is becoming a church. Um, and in that like process, what I've realized even like way before we even start talked about this, is that though we are all different, we have a lot of similarities, but we have a lot of like the same weaknesses mm. or the same areas of growth. So yeah, we're definitely missing some. Pieces. Yeah, there's definitely like people missing. Um, uh, when I think about uh, just like evangelism in our group of people, we do a good job of like discipleship. I could say like in or in a sense, yeah, 
we do a really good job like discipling those who are already believers. Mm. But when it comes to like sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus, uh, we're not really good at that. I, I think they're like we're missing some areas and like just listening to you speak. I'm like, this is this is a huge problem yeah, in churches. And this is why you have like, in my opinion, so we're in Fresno. We have a lot of people who just go from church to church to church to church to church, not necessarily like looking to be not looking to be discipled. Um, they're just like, this church don't fit. I'm gonna go to different church. This church don't fit. I'm gonna go to, but like the truth is they've never actually encountered evangelism. They've never been evangelized. So they're looking for something that's going to fit them. Um, not the other way around. Like God, like you supposed to come in to fit God. God mm-hmm. doesn't come to fit you. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that, in, in that, uh, with that understanding, like we're going to kind of segue into this conversation about like evangelism with your newfound knowledge and mm-hmm. your evaluation and things. Uh, do you believe that evangelism has has diminished in many churches yeah so first of all evangelism was the area that everyone in our group failed at failed miserably oh jesus so (laughs) like my sermon for instance um patient said jeff that was the greatest sermon you've ever preached it's the best sermon it's one of the best sermons i've heard that was fantastic but (laughs) but you did not if, if someone was a non-believer, and that was like most of their criticism and pushback on my sermon was like, so how would this message work for non-believers? If you were surrounded by non-believers right now, like how would, what would you, would you preach the same exact message? Would you change it? And I was like, yeah, it would change. And they're like, okay, so like how? And like, why didn't you consider that? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I had said something like, well, you know, I always saw like, inviting non-believers to my church i didn't understand like i am the church so like i feel like it's up to the the people of the church who have relationships with non-believers to evangelize to them and then mm-hmm. if they want to come to a church and get preaching and discipleship and right. stuff there you go got you um and i think most churches even if they don't say that that's how they operate Mm-hmm. I don't I don't really believe that. that at least my experiences in, in church, it's really not for non-believers. No, it's just not um, many churches. Yeah, you, you'll get some sermons that like people will like when the invitations given at the end, they'll come up and mm-hmm. they'll, you know, immerse, emotional and, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm with but it. even a lot of those, are just, it's pure emotion. people. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even know really what what's going on. And then and then a lot of times I don't know if we are good at discipleship. Hmm. We're good at preaching because discipleship oh, is one on one. Got you. Okay, let me let walk me show with you. you. Let me show you. So, a Damn. lot of big churches really and truly they we suck. We don't really disciple either. We don't. Which is the Great Commission. And so, when I got the pushback, I mean, Pastor Carl, the second day, he preached a sermon about evangelism and how that is the role of the church. Like the church's main job is to evangelize, is to light on the hill, is to like find non-believers and give them this news that they need. Right. And I mean, I suck at that. I mean, I I sucked at like just hearing. I am you. trash. I, I'm I'm really, and this is this is what really sucks for me because I'm really like I don't even know why. Like I've been, as you were speaking, like I'm getting emotional. Because like for whatever reason, God is like putting people in my mind, and He's like, yeah, I'm showing you people that you that you have 
real relationship with, but you're you're not discipling them at, at all. Mm. So a couple of podcasts ago, well, a lot of podcasts ago, I talked about my cousin Cassandra, mm-hmm. who I said in that podcast that I was going to help disciple her um, or like walk with her and like become like closer to her. Haven't done it. I talked to her like four or five times since that podcast. Uh, we've had like kind of deep conversations. She came and she babysat my kids. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there has not been like a sit down conversation about, okay, you know, how do I help you decide? How do I decide? I don't even know how to start that conversation. But the second person I thought about is, um, is one of our friends who's a rapper. And I'm like, yo, we, we have like a very good relationship, but like disciples and, and which is, which is messing me up because I literally just said just a few minutes ago that like, Oh, we good. We're good at discipleship. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, no, we're just good at giving people like knowledge and nuggets of like, mm-hmm. oh, this is cool in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Oh, look how this connects to this. Like we're yeah. good at like building biblical Legos uh, sets, but we're wow. nowhere near like actually discipling someone to teach them like how how to do life. Even like I think about discipleship as being something where you where where I would do life with you to the point where I'm like, hey, like I see this in you. And I think like this is something where you can like work and like work in this area and then God may show you something different. I haven't done that literally for anyone like mm. who didn't already have it. Like, and I, um, I'm, I'm really messed up right now. Just in my, I think we need to take a break. Cause yeah, I need it. I, I was literally get, just going to suggest that we I need to get my life together in a second. Yeah. So we're going to pause, um, give you some processing time and we'll be back. Yeah. back from the break yeah um yeah man so yeah evangelism is it's a tough cookie man evangelism discipleship and um just moving into uh this this culture that we live in um i think what we've lost uh especially like me like when i was talking off air um i've i think i've lost direction um like i don't like we said in the beginning of the podcast like gps tells you where you are Mm mm-hmm I had no idea where I was and mm. I just got a glimpse of where I am and it's nowhere where I thought I was, which made me like really like troubled in my spirit. So, uh, as, as far as like our culture goes, like we, we assume just way too much. Yeah. Like we assume way too much as believers, um, as Christians, like you said, every Christian's job is to evangelize. Every Christian's job is just to, to tell the good news. Mm-hmm. But it depends on how the culture uh, is is formulating the question for us to have the the answer right. to that question. Right. But if we are uh, if we keep thinking like, oh, man, like you had talked about, like we have this mindset that like everyone has an idea of God, mm-hmm. like the biblical God. Everyone mm-hmm. has an idea. They know that uh, people believe that they're inherently bad and that there's something wrong with humanity and that. There needs to be something or someone to come fix it. Mm-hmm. But like this generation, they don't have none of that. Oh, man. They, they don't have a fear. They, I know people who don't even have a fear of dying, even after you tell them about hell. Because they just, they don't, honestly, they don't believe. They're yeah. like, no. dog, after we die, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Or we become a tree. Like, these are like, it's, it's a huge extremes. But the truth is, we, we, we don't know the culture. No. A lot of us don't. And, uh, so a lot of what me and Brandon are talking about is from this interview 
uh, by one of my top three favorite preachers. That's he's Tim. getting onto my top. Three, I man. love Tim Keller, man. After this one, I was just like, he's he's so different. Yeah, we just watched. Uh, we rewatched. My wife hadn't seen that that sermon about praying and being God's friend. Oh, I sent you. yeah. Which guy's amazing. Anyway, so he had done an interview with uh, Kerry Newhoff, our favorite. The <laughs> Kerry Newhoff Kerry guy. Kerry Newhoff guy. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Kerry Newhoff and his podcast. Um, so he interviewed Tim. Uh, it's like about an hour. Really good, good conversation. And, mm-hmm. and Tim is kind of the guru when it comes to preaching to a post-Christian America. Like he, He's written several books. I, I, I read one of his books a long time ago. Um, called Reasons for God. Yeah. Great, but it really helped me a lot. Um, but he started a church in New York, which is in Manhattan, which is yeah. like one of the most secular places you'll ever find. Crazy. And so he just understands how to reach uh, culture. And so he, he articulated it so well. Oh, my gosh. So he said that his parents' generation, like 1950s, everybody had a familiarity with church and with God, mm-hmm. right? So you could you could easily like talk about their guilt and talk about the fact they need a savior yeah. and and they're familiar with heaven and hell and and the Bible and stuff like that. So it was a lot easier to evangelize. Right. And then you got into his generation; they were obsessed with freedom. So they're like, yeah. no, like you know, I need my freedom and blah blah blah. blah. And so he was able to articulate that the gospel speaks to that, that the, the actual only way to get your, your true freedom is through Jesus and how yeah. even everybody, you know, everybody knows that freedom needs to be limited. Yeah. Like there's no such thing as freedom. There's no such thing as like just absolute yeah, freedom. Because everybody would agree. Okay. There's there, you can, you can get somebody to see the, the problems with that. Yeah. That they need their freedom to be limited. And then the best way to do it is actually through Jesus. Right. right. And then you have this newer generation where their whole thing is, they're obsessed with identity and like defining their mm-hmm. own identity. Yeah, like I get to. Are. You don't get to tell me who I am. I, I tell. You, I tell I everyone. Am. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a totally different, different thing. That's yeah. where our culture is right now, and we don't realize that. No, we haven't realized that. I don't think the church um, has paid attention to the culture and been able to exegete the culture. Yeah. Um, so we're still preaching as if you people know, everybody have understands. Yeah. So he, I love. Please explain that. So uh, in the in the video, Tim, ex- Tim, Pastor Tim, mm-hmm. trying to be respectful here. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pastor Tim explains that uh, back in the fifties and even uh, even the generation after, they had like the the general idea of church mm-hmm. and uh, the general idea of God. Which were like spiritual dots, dots. spiritual dots. And you so, could just connect them. So if you think about like a, a coloring book, a connect the dots coloring book, the dots were already there. All you had to do was like help draw the lines mm-hmm. to the dots to see the complete picture. Uh, but the problem is nowadays there are no dots. Mm-hmm. It's literally a blank page, and it's a blank page. But there's still like there's still like rules on how this mm-hmm. is needs to go together. But like no one knows how to interpret the the dots or mm-hmm. the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. So the issue is we still are going into this culture explaining why or yeah, why sin, uh, why sin is in the world, why you need a savior and like Jesus came and died for you. Matter of fact, let me back that up. Mm-hmm. Jesus came and died for you because you have sin uh, and he saved you 
from basically have hell so you can live in heaven. Mm-hmm. These are the things we believe that the culture has. But the truth is, they don't even have that. They're like, why do I need to? They're literally, why do I, what do I need forgiveness for? I'm it, a good person. What are you talking about? Who have I hurt? Who have How, I offended? Like, what am I? What I think of my identity is wrong? No. Yeah, no. What are you talking about? This is who I am. Mm-hmm. And like, you need to respect that. And this is, yeah. and the problem um, that Tim exposes in the interview is even when he goes like back in the 50s, like everybody mm-hmm. wanted to be uh, free. No. No, they were, uh, they had guilt. Yeah, could naturally like, exactly. So uh, in the fifties, everybody was like, they had guilt that they wanted to get rid of, mm-hmm. um, and the way you would get rid of that was by giving everything over to Christ, and He was mm-hmm. able to free you from that guilt and that shame, and like put you in a relationship. The next generation the was freedom. all about that freedom. Mm-hmm. They wanted to be free, but they, but in freedom, they they had to they had to find out they had to be enslaved to something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that Christ is the best master to have. Because in him is true freedom, which then is good, not just for yourself, but for people around you as well. Mm -hmm. And then this generation, we are in an age where um, people want identity. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that Tim states is that's a lot of responsibility for a human being to place on yourself. Mm -hmm. Like if I say that I'm one way or one thing or whatever I say my identity is, if I claim that, I have to live up to that. Mm-hmm. Like I have to, I have to live up to that. Mm-hmm. So it, it even makes you like, you have to reevaluate like how far does this go? Yeah. And like, you end up just getting lost. Yeah. You just, just con- everything's like, you're, Oh, well actually I think I'm this. Well actually, and then you're just like, you're trying to follow this like figment of your imagination, yeah. which is, uh, which is what you're calling your identity. And you're trying to like, uh, which is weird. Like now that I think about it in my mind, like you created this identity Mm-hmm. But you have to keep up with the identity you created because mm-hmm. it's constantly changing, yeah. and the culture is constantly changing your identity yes. because it wants you to be yeah. a certain way. And it's got so many ideas; it's just constant confusion. That's the main thing I see in today's culture. Just and there's no end. Confu- yeah, yeah, because it just keeps going, 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 going. the The crazy thing about it is that you got to recognize humans have to recognize that we recognize that we're not perfect. True. Yet, by trying to create my own identity, I put that pressure on me to have to be whatever this thing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's you can't live up to it mainly because uh, when you when you think you've got it, a new problem mm-hmm. comes it's up, a moving target, and you yeah you mm-hmm. have to adjust on how. So like, uh, I just think about if you if you claim to be uh, let's just say a social activist. Mm. Okay, like let me let me more specific. A Black Lives Matter social mm-hmm. activist. Okay, that sounds great to put an identity in. Okay, cool. This is a good justice thing. Like we can move in this direction. But then it's like, okay, you're saying that Black Lives Matter, and then other people are saying all lives matter. So then you you know you can't say that in response to this yada yada. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Black lives can't matter or all lives can't matter unless until Black lives matter. Okay, then once Black lives are met, you got to go to the next. Yeah, you got to go. Then, then what's your identity? Yeah, then what's your what? And then there's still the problem, like, what about Latinos? Mm-hmm. What about so even in the Christian community, I, I was really faced with this, like head on. I'm I'm out here chanting Black Lives Matter at a protest, and then someone next to me is like, Yeah, black trans lives matter. And I'm like, Oh, uh well yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, but... but like I can't support but but and I'm like, okay. I think I have the wrong mantle. Mm. Like I think even holding on to black lives matter as an identity yes. is the wrong mantle to be holding on to because mm. now I have to fight for not just black lives, but 
trans lives, not just trans lives, Asian lives, and not just like it just goes on and on and on. And the problem is, you're never going to fix the racial problems of the world. Yeah, you're just addressing symptoms. It, it never yeah. ends. So I think when you think about when I'm thinking about identity, it's like I have to show someone who they were created to be. Yes, the creation cannot define its purpose. No, like. Like a, a a candle can't say, you know what? I am a street light. <laughs> this is how I identify. That's what. No, the creator of the candle has to tell the candle what it's created to do. Yep. And what its purpose is, because mm-hmm. it made it. It can. It's on. And other things can't tell the candle. Yeah, yeah. you're not a candle. You're yeah. the street light. You didn't make me. You right? can't. So only the maker can tell them to make the creation what it is. Yeah, and give it to, and give it its true purpose. Yeah, so that it could actually live it out. Yeah. So the pro- the problem with finding your identity in anything else except for God is that you get a sense of um, y- you've you've created your own identity, mm-hmm. and you are trying to uphold that, but you don't really know how to do mm-hmm. that because there's no instruction. And that's not for what a candle being a street anyway. light. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So like the candle is like fight like so a street light can operate in the rain mm-hmm. you put a street light out there or you put candle. a candle out there it's like oh god i can't i do gotta it. get relit like come on yeah come on and it's like you weren't created, you weren't for, created this. for this like un- like even when it comes to just like race in general like though i am black mm-hmm. i that's not my identity right my blackness is not my identity. Yeah. It's it's what God is going to use to help what whoever and whatever he needs me to do. But I, if I try to find my identity in my blackness, mm-hmm. what happens when like my kids marry a white person mm-hmm. and then they have then I have like mixed grandkids. Mm-hmm. My wife is is European. Mm-hmm. So like my kids are super bright. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when they have kids, if they marry white, like my I don't. How would I function as a grandfather yeah, yeah. to white kids if my whole identity is built up in my blackness? Yeah. Um, it, it everything fails at some point. Yeah, any identity outside of Christ is going to let you down at some point. And it's it's interesting because also in this generation, they're very much about social justice, mm-hmm. right? And I think I want to talk about those four things that oh, Tim bro. pointed at. Um, this was deep. So the, the four main issues of our day, of today's culture that we need to evangelize. I loved him. Gosh. Just, anyway, yeah, that's <laughs> my guy. So it's um, racial inequality. Mm-hmm. We need to address that. Poverty. And poverty, yeah. Right? That would be leaning towards like liberal agenda. Yeah. And then on this other side, you have pro-life and um, God's sexual Ethics, yeah. So like his his, his the definition of sexuality, biblical sexuality, yeah. So these two things are are on opposite sides of the political aisle, yeah. As Christians, we should be about all four, all four. simultaneously. But unfortunately, in our culture, you we pretty much are forced to pick two. Mm-hmm. Um, either you're conservative or you're liberal, you're Democrat or Republican, and like we have allowed ourselves to be co-opted into these political movements oh yeah and we're forced to align our, our religion to them basically mm-hmm. which would which the crazy thing was like we realize in our own churches like mm-hmm. even where we are uh we're certain not to get this wrong like our churches love the lord and they're like seeking social ju- they're, they're seeking all four mm-hmm. but you can clearly tell that there What's are churches the which one's in priority mm-hmm. which and the crazy thing is like 
when Tim mentioned, I was like, that's crazy. Because once you evaluate it, you can literally look at every church in mm-hmm. America and be like, oh, we see where you, you stand. See what oh, where you see priority. Mm-hmm. You have literally, and right now, if you are if you are uh, about the oppressed or people who are uh, in poverty yeah, or people marginalized, marginalized the communities mm-hmm. and uh, and just pick, taking the mantle of social justice, you were literally seen as like a liberal. Mm-hmm. Like your church is too liberal. Oh, you All you talk about Democrats, is yeah. Blah, 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 yeah. And then the crazy thing is when you get deep into it, you'll start to see like, oh, there are a lot of Democrats in here. There mm-hmm. are a lot, like people who vote this way. Mm-hmm. They are in here. And then you go to churches that literally find uh, that are like still the, the till, till the day fighting tooth and nail against uh, pro-choice, mm-hmm. uh, fighting tooth and nail um, for uh, same sex marriage for same sex marriage. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you don't have a choice in like the okay. So it seems as if mm-hmm. you don't have a choice in which and what to like hold the mantle for. But in the reality, what God is saying and what God has given to us is the freedom to like choose Him even over church polarization or mm, church politics that's good like we were able to choose jesus even okay so i go to a church that is really heavy on um social justice, social justice and like helping the poor mm-hmm. like that is their thing right now which is fantastic because like where our community is like that is very necessary but like we i've i've never heard well, I don't want to say never because I just learned from Jeff and his wife <laughs> not to say always or never. Yeah, um, careful with that. But <laughs> our church uh, rarely speaks about um, abortion. Hmm. Rarely. Like about it being wrong. Oh, okay. Our church rarely talks about uh, homosexual or uh, transgender. Like we hardly ever talk about that, uh, those issues. Like biblical sexuality is like a like which is really crazy because like in the youth group it's rampant like mm. so many of my so many of my youth group kids are literally like struggling with their sexual identity and like yeah. what they should do sexually to please god or to please, please themselves, themselves. Mm. they're literally like fighting that battle so like my wife and i we're seeing it firsthand it's like yo we can't be the only people in our church addressing this but the truth is our church is so heavy on the other side with the political mm-hmm. with the social justice thing and uh, and helping the poor We've we've neglected, like, we've neglected yeah. those two subjects. Yeah, and that's that's what happens. Um, and it's it's not even really uh, we're not like trying to blame anybody. No, not at all. Um, because the culture we've allowed the culture to be very powerful, even in the church. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. The we the church has allowed the culture to to exegete us <laughs> instead of us exegeting the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've told us how to tell them the gospel yeah it's like well make sure your gospel includes these it doesn't include these mm-hmm. basically if you want us to be a part of this and so we have got to work on finding the balance where we made all four of them a priority right um in jesus because jesus cares about all four of them yeah and so we should and we've been saying this but it's so hard we should not fit into either political no party. party we shouldn't there's no i'm sorry like and you shouldn't. I just want to say this for whatever reason. I just feel like God is not Republican. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, people have said it, but I just want to make sure like our listeners know, like God is not Republican and he's not Democrat, Democrat, but he's, he's not, not anti-Democrat. Like I, he's not I, anti-Republican. either. Yeah. So I feel like people are like, mm-hmm. oh, no, God is Republican. and He hates Democrats mm-hmm. or God is a Democrat and he hates Republicans. God has nothing to do with our politics. Mm-hmm. Zero to do with it. 
He's much bigger than that. And our relationship with him should show that he has nothing to do with our politics. Yeah. Like we shouldn't even, and I, I think about this all the time, the way that we conversate, the way that we tiptoe around these kind of conversations, it shows me that like either, either you're more afraid of your political stance or you're more proud of your political stance. So it's mm-hmm. before you indulge in conversation that have to do with biblical truth. So if we're not going to be, uh, if we're not going to, if you're not going to be a Christian who is okay with being in very tight situations mm-hmm. and comfortable with standing on the word of God rather than having to appease people or stand on some type of political, I don't even know, like cross. Mm-hmm. Cause at this point it's like, if you say certain things, you can get quote unquote canceled. canceled. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you have to, you have to run the risk of getting canceled for Jesus. Like, Getting canceled is not getting crucified. Yeah, like I just mean, they're not on the same level. It says in the Bible. I think Jesus says it. Like, don't fear man who can destroy the body, the body, but fear him who can destroy soul and body in hell. Dude, that's God. That's okay. Who. So we should be way more afraid of the Lord what He'll do to us if we don't, don't mm-hmm. say the truth in love, yeah. versus if we're like too worried about offending people. No doubt. Like, obviously, we want to be loving and respectful. You know. Peter says, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's in you with love and, and respect. Mm-hmm. Right. We've got to be able to do that. But like, there's no way that we should be comfortable in any uh, over political environment at all. Like I should not be. And I don't know if it's comfortable. They shouldn't be comfortable with us. Exactly. Like they should. No Republican or Democrat should be comfortable with, with just to Christian. be in our circle and be yeah. like, oh, yeah, you're. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're saying some. Oh, wait, they shouldn't feel like that that they're, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, I'm I'm gonna be just as bold about all four, all four. of them equally. Mm-hmm. Like I care about black lives outside wombs and in wombs. Mm-hmm. Right. There I care about the unborn and the born. Yeah. I'm I'm all about trying to help the poor. I'm all yeah. about social justice. I'm all about biblical sexuality. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I'm not and a, I'm, I'm not cool with murdering baby. I'm just. I'm you have be to be all out of there, them. and you have to be honest, and you have to be truthful to the Word of God. And I think that's where uh, what Tim even says in mm-hmm. the video, he's or in the interview, he's like, "This is where the church is is going to get ripped apart." Mm-hmm. Basically, he was like, "This is where I see the downfall or or a great divide within the church," which is crazy because I think about the devil and like how he operates. He's mm-hmm. literally here to like divide and conquer. So he's trying mm-hmm. to put that wedge. Well, the truth is he's got the wedge in there already. Mm-hmm. He's just like, he's pulling it apart so that churches will continue to split over, which is going to be crazy. These four topics. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't notice how prevalent that was or yeah. how, how serious this matter is. And when you hear Tim, like if you will post a, we'll post a link in our, uh, in our Instagram page so you guys can get to this interview. But what I found was alarming is like, this dude is old, old. Like mm-hmm. Tim is up there yeah, and he's looking at, this generation literally from a from a bird's eye view and he's like oh yeah this is the way he said it's so national this is if i had to put one problem out there yeah, this is the problem and when i when he opened my eyes i was able to see it and i was able to see it in my own life mm-hmm. not just the fact that it was in my church but it was in me yes i don't i don't talk about i've never posted about uh biblical sexuality Mm-mm. Like um, we're, I'm super easy to post about uh, racial injustice. Bruh, I, and, I I posted my I mean, black square. I yeah, I did. I did posted, a whole video. Yeah, I'm for, all about it. Hey, you black BLM all day. I'm, I'm with it. I'm all in there. Um, any type of oppression anywhere. I've I'm never just, posted. I'm not cool with it, but I've never not even a, not even a pro life. I've never posted about pro life. Man, me neither. Dang. Yeah, man. We're, and we're Democrats. 
basically, <laughs> people could look at us like, y'all some liberals out here. For real. And, yeah, well, you should not be able to say that about us. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be able to say that we fit in either, either of the categories. Um, obviously, you know, there's a fear. Uh, me and Brandon were, were going to do an Instagram Live on uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to talk about probably biblical sexuality in some aspect. Right. And I, I was afraid. I'm yeah. like, we, we both were. I'm I like, know. I don't want to get fired. I don't want to get canceled. Oh, mm-hmm. he's a bigot. He's this and that. Mm-hmm. I mean, but that is a real fear, but like, I, I we don't I'm have more a choice. afraid of God than Because people. at the end of the day, it's like, okay, if this is the word of God and I'm really, the truth is we're not trying to be right. That's like that's thing. not our heart. We're not trying to be right. That's the biggest problem we have in the country is that both sides are trying to be right. They're all about being right. They don't care about the other side. They don't actually care about the people. Not at all. They don't even see people. Mm -mm. You have a side. We're trying to beat your side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the idea is like, I'm not, we're not trying to be right. We know who is right. Mm -hmm. And we know who has the ability to take body and soul and destroy them both. And this is what we want to get across to our culture. um, To the, not even, well, yeah, to our culture, but just to the people that are in our culture that whom we love, Mm -hmm. like, I have people who I love dearly that I'm looking at them and they have a destructive lifestyle mm. because they refuse to give, they refuse to, to, to honor God. They refuse to like honor live God a, as God, as you were yeah, saying in the like, last episode. They don't want to be God's creation. And that's what scares me. It's like, mm. you want to have your own life. And I, I get it, but I'm telling you in the life that you're choosing, whatever you're chasing, you're never going to obtain it. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is the only thing that is, the answer to everything, and he's a, obtainable. Here's the scary thing. You might obtain it. Duh. It's not going to fulfill you. Nah, exactly. That's the bigger danger. Because then you'll get there and be yeah. like, oh, this is Wait, this is it? This isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's not making me feel like I thought it would make me feel. It's like getting to the top of the roller coaster and then finding out I just go straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you climb the mountain, you get to the top, and there's nothing up there. It's just air and water. Mm-hmm. Just air. Mm-hmm. Air and dirt. Mm-hmm. Same thing as the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, so I think our, uh, my hope is to is to get people to to understand that like Jesus really is, like I know it sounds weird for a person, um, the incarnate God Man Jesus Christ to be an answer. It sounds crazy. I, I know it sounds crazy, but I promise if you just give him a try, if you just like, all right, look, I'm just let me just let me just look at it. Let me just see if this is like a thing that I can get with. Just try him. Like it's not a religion. It really is a relationship. But there are certain things you have to do in order for this relationship to actually work. Yeah. So I think this is where the culture doesn't want to abide. They don't want to be, they want to like have God or they want to have, they want to be free from hell, mm. but they don't really want like to be told how to live on this side. Yeah. Um, and that's where we got to get to. And this is where, this is the, the message we want to get out to our culture. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully um, we do that. That sermon that Tim preached about uh, the Psalms and prayer and God being your friend. Oh, yeah. Um, try to synopsize it real quick because it, it speaks to what you just said so like first of all it is possible to be friends with the god of the universe which is crazy that's mind-blowing in itself it's possible how do you do it is the key so mm-hmm. tim breaks it down so well it sounds crazy but jesus says it i forget where in john but he says like if you obey my commands then you're my friend Mm-hmm. Right, and that sounds like wait, obedience. It's not a friendship. Let me explain why it is with God. Yeah. Okay. Friendship is between two people who have something in common. They can look at each other and say, "You too." Right. Right. They, that it's it's 
like friendship love versus romantic love, eros versus phileos, right? Eros or romantic love is people looking at each other and admiring each other. Mm-hmm. Phileos, friendship love, is two people standing shoulder to shoulder looking at something else and uh. admiring it. Like, oh yeah, we have this thing in common, mm-hmm. right? So with God, we have, God became a human. So he he became like shoulder us, shoulder with us so that we can say, hey, you too, you suffer too, you've been abandoned too. You've been lost too, like yeah. you felt pain, all that stuff. So God, we do have something in common, right? Relate, yeah. But friendship also involves allowing both people in the friendship to be their full selves, mm-hmm. right? In this case, we gotta allow God to be <laughs> His full, full self. self, and He's the freaking Lord of the universe. <laughs> he's the King of the universe. I've gotta allow Him to be King. I'm supposed to obey Amen. the King. Yeah. I'm supposed to bow down to the King. I'm supposed to submit to the King. So it's it's not a full on friendship that we would understand with the human and human mm-hmm. right because if i'm glad god be his full self that includes him being the lord yeah right so that's where obedience does come in and then friendship is a two-way communication yeah so you both got to communicate from each other and you got to be sure like i don't go i think this is brandon telling me something mm-hmm. i need to know for sure like did so you really how how do i hear from god when he said this oh it made so much sense it did Okay, so we think, and I've been taught that I'm supposed to pray first, and then God will speak. Mm-hmm. It's the other way around. God's already, already spoken. spoken in the Bible. Yeah. So my job is to do like Psalms one says: meditate on your on your word day, day and, and night, night, on your law day. I mean, delight in the law of the Lord mm-hmm. and meditate it, meditate on the day and night. I'm yeah. supposed to delight in his law, his commandments, what he tells me to do. How do I delight Light in it? it? Not just know about it, have knowledge about it. I'm supposed to delight in it and then meditate on it. And then therefore he will speak. Yeah. So I'm, I'm supposed to be in his word so much. And then I'm the one that responds to him right. in prayer. So he speaks first mm-hmm. and then I speak back. God, I saw in your word that you said this, blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. that it's the other word. He's already that's, talked. That's crazy because I, I had this. Uh, we can't get on this too long, mm-hmm. but I I had this this idea in my mind or like this vision in my mind where like God has spoken and like we go into the Word and nope, this is the Bible. Uh, <laughs> he says uh, because we're in the Word because we are literally like delighting in His mm-hmm. Word. We know what His will is. We know so the heart of the Father. We know the heart of the Father. So mm-hmm. the fact is like. When we go pray, we're not praying for anything that is anti-Christ or anti. We're not praying for anything us mm-hmm. because we've been in the word. So this is why David's relationship with God is so amazing. Even Moses was so amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like Abraham. they took that time to like get to know God through his law. And mm-hmm. they were like, okay, this, all this, all this is right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the world and I'm looking at God's word. and I'm looking at the world. And I'm like, there's an answer for every single thing that we do. There's an answer for it right here. Mm-hmm. So how do I get my life to align to this? Okay, I'm gonna keep reading this, and then, and then I when know it, what to pray for. And then I know what to pray for. Mm-hmm. So when mo- like the re- when I read the Psalms, I'm like, how does David get to this point where he's like, God, I've done such such tragic things, or God, how this long will my yeah. yeah yeah? And like the uh, I think it's Psalms 13 uh, where he's like David's like, how long, O oh Lord, will you let my enemies do this? How long will I suffer? And at the end of it, he's like, but I will praise you anyways. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna praise you anyhow. I'm gonna I'm gonna worship you and praise you all the more. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you get from 
my life sucks to I'm going to praise you anyways because he's been reading the Psalms. I mean, he's been reading the Torah. He's been reading mm -hmm. the, 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 the books of the Bible. He's been yeah. reading the law. And he's like, God literally says he will never leave you, David. Mm -hmm. He will never forsake you. Are you alive? Are you breathing? Do you have the breath in your lungs to even say, why are my mm -hmm. enemies? Okay, say thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. still here. I've never abandoned you and I never will abandon mm -hmm. you. And I've given you a promise from when you were 13 and you're seeing it play out till yes. now. And I never said that everything will be easy. Easy. In fact, my concern is not for your comfort, it's for your character. Mm. So I'm more worried Lord. about developing you as a person and developing your character than you come on. Than you, you know, feeling good all the time, being happy all the time. Dude. So yeah, man. So we we'll could, post we're gonna post both of those links, uh, to both of those videos, Tim's yeah, Tim's sermon on uh, Psalm and Prayer, and then also to the interview with him and uh Carrie Newhoff. Because I really do believe it'll bless um, those seeking for a deeper relationship with God and how to translate the love of God into the culture that we have. Today. Yeah, man. Yeah. So we could go on this some more. There's a lot of stuff we can talk about. A lot of stuff's happened. Guys, I want to say uh, thank you to everybody who watched our last YouTube video. Mm -hmm. We got the most views we've ever gotten. Yeah. So I, shout, go, guys. I really appreciate that. Thank Josiah's you so much. working super hard. Um, so please go to the YouTube. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Um, I really want to push people onto that. And we launched a Patreon. Yes, we did. Um, we can, we'll, we'll probably put some more information about that later, probably on Instagram, talking mm -hmm. about it specifically. Um, but just be on the lookout for that. And uh, we just appreciate all the support and love and comments and, mm -hmm. and just everything you guys have been doing with this podcast. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah. And if you guys could, man, the Patreon is going to be huge for us. Um, we, we just, we're in a state and we're in a season where um, we are up in our game in mm -hmm. the podcast world. Um, and that takes finances and that takes uh, takes support. Mm -hmm. And we want you guys to be our supporters. Uh, we need you guys to be our yeah. supporters. Um, it has nothing to do with like making us rich, but it has oh, to do man. with like getting this the word out, um, getting the gospel out, and even like getting like these conversations out because mm -hmm. we do believe they may spark someone who could change the world um, in the name of the Lord. So um, if you want to support us in that, um, check out our Patreon. Check out our Instagram. All of our links that we talk about will be on our Instagram page. You can get to them nice and easily at preachers underscore hour um, on Instagram. So, yeah, man. Love y'all. And we will see you on the next one. Peace.